Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. Welcome to episode 110. In this episode Andrew talks to the whole of Scotland about Epic 40k. They talk about the game, how it's played, why Steve can't win turners anymore, and about why it is a game worth playing. Okay, welcome to episode 110 of Singled Out. Um, today we're going to, in light of the Gilbert Field Test, spend the whole episode talking about Epic. Um, so with me today I've got uh, Steve. Good evening. My name's Steve Cole, but I'm going to talk like this, because this is an accent that English people can distinguish. <laughs> How long you keep that up for? Uh, today we've also got John. Seven hours. How's it going? I'm from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan? Hello. I'm the mature and sensible one. Current <laughs> UK champion, second in the world, just so. Um, well, I'd point out that is actually Dan's real accent. It wasn't a comedy accent. <laughs> that's, that's a live accent. Second in the world at Epic. Yes. Uh, has, 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 has Epic UK got many world players in it? Or? The Epic UK had a world championship last year, um, which was very enjoyable. Um, it was team-based, so it was very enjoyable, but Scotland came second. Um, yeah. We normally have a European championship once a year. I'm not sure we'll have it this year. Um, but... Yeah, last year was the first time I actually did a World Championship, and it was a really good success. Uh, why did Team Scotland come second in that tournament, Dan? Was it because one of our players was pissed the whole time and didn't perform to expectations? Firstly, Steve, I don't care for swearing, so I came down. <laughs> Secondly, I was shit-faced drunk. I mean, I spunked myself. <laughs> Just letting you know today, listeners, um, I can't bother to take out swearing today. It's not going to happen. <laughs> If you're listening to this Try- podcast with your, with your child in the car, first of all, question your life choices, and secondly, <laughs> just try to turn it off now. I've got three Scots on, it can't happen, sorry. We apologise in advance. Uh, but yeah, we're we're going to talk about it. 
We're going to talk about Epic, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, first question, uh, are the models small or are they just really far away? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've yet to work that out. John, yeah. you're a scientist. Uh, well, yeah, they, they actually, they're both simultaneously, but if you know if they're small, then they suddenly they're not far away and vice versa. They can't be in both states when you know what they are. Cool. Apparently. Well, that's podcast. Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll be off <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so um, it's obviously um, a game that's been around in one form or another since the early 90s, I think, was Adaptive Titanicus. I think it's late 80s. Late 80s, and then of so course... The um, have you heard the story why the Horace House was, was invented? Right, the story. Uh, About why they had why they had uh, traitor, and, um, traitor and Loyalist Titans, because basically they, they couldn't afford to make two plastic moulds, <laughs> and they literally did two, did two different colours of Titan, and they have one being traitors, it's fine. Um, really? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that's all began. Yeah, yeah, because the they, they couldn't, couldn't fund two plastic kits. Huh. And that's where all the kind of backstory came from, just based on that, and they just built a great. Yeah, that's apparently. Wonderful. It's a cool story, isn't it? Yeah, it really pretty good. Because yeah. it was originally, isn't 40k was originally from like a 2000 AD comic, wasn't it? Yeah, really? it was a Rogue Trader. So Rogue Trader was, just... was the original version, yeah. Um, yeah, but there was this, there's a 2000 AD comic where there's like an emperor, like from the 70s, I remember, actually an epic player, Mike Thomas told me about it, it's like an emperor who in the future has a load of like oh, genetically super soldiers, yeah, it was like one of their sort of things. It wouldn't surprise me, you look at some of the old artwork in the original first edition book and it's very 2000 AD, it's like sort of cartoon yeah, artwork yeah. and stuff, it really is, a lot of sort of, um, I was looking through some old White Dwarf today actually, they've got some ones from the 80s in the cupboard, and they're all sort of like, everyone sort of with rock haircuts and stuff and everything else, it's pretty yeah. cool, yeah. And lots of, lots of the writers, the original writers and things, they they came from 2008, like Dan Abner, he was 2008. Yeah. Right. Um, Name another one. So there's quite a few. <laughs> Name another one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading those few. Go on, I'm calling you out. Name another one. <laughs> Why don't you name it? Have <laughs> you ever read 2008? Uh, <laughs> um, then it went into Space Marine, and then it went into like Epic, uh, Epic uh, 40,000, yeah. which is like the late 90s. Yeah, you had, uh, yeah, the Space Marine is the sort of, the, t- the two that people think of, I think, are Space Marine, which is the sort of classic version where, where the games take like four or five hours and every army has a hundred special square, units. Square, square bases, the original square bases. Square bases, yeah. yeah, square bases. Then it goes, <sighs> then the next generation is when they bring in, like, strip bases and they invent, they bring in blast markers. And then there's Epic Armageddon. So the two, the two really good versions are Space Marine because it's very thematic, but it's in the era before tabletop games had anything like finishing. So you play it and it'd be fun and you play for like five hours and then you get halfway through the turn two you and are, then Epic is Epic Armageddon. Your armies were built on cards, weren't you? You had cards for each army. You had cards. I remember having a box of cards, a space marine cards and things, and attachments and things, points values, wasn't it? Um, yeah, there's actually, if anyone's interested in that, because we're not going to talk about that version in this podcast that much, there's a really good podcast by Me- Meeples and Miniatures do one where they talk a lot about that because there's basically, when it when the sort of game wrapped up, the community split. Most people went to play Epic Armageddon. Um, some of the community guys went to do basically Space Marine Second Edition, which is called Net Epic Gold. Some kind of so West Side Story whole... gang war going on, was it? Yeah, it was exactly like yeah. that, but sexier, but much sexier. Large, large doing across across a street in uh, in Nottingham. Uh, <laughs> well, you've been here then. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember the, the version that got me into the game when I was playing it when I was a teenager, and the one that I was nostalgic for was one with the cards and setting up the armies and all the special rules and such, as Steve mentioned. Um, 
So I wasn't quite sure when I started playing Epic Armageddon if it was actually going to be a good game. I was kind of a wee bit hacked off that I wasn't playing the game that I remember from my childhood. But to me, the, the good thing about it, and I'm not a huge gamer, is that it happens very quickly. You roll one dice, something shoots. You roll another dice, something saves. And it's all over. It's like very quickly, you shoot, you save, you whatever. So things are constantly happening with it. So a game will probably be about two and a half to three hours. But during that, there is a constant something has to happen every single second of the game, you know, which is just... That to me is the inter- just yeah. I'm a bit autistic when it comes to that, but I can't have things that are just too slow and too build up, you know. Well, I think that's yeah. I mean, that I would. I'd, Steve and I had always played Warhammer Fantasy Battles. We played that. We played most of the games that Fantasy Battles the one we really enjoyed when we were younger. And yeah. We kind of kept up a little bit. We played once, twice a year, but you just roll so many dice. I mean, you roll about a hundred dice in a battle, and like two men die because you've got to hit yeah. to win to save, um, and none of the save, none of the dice rolls are particularly good usually. It's just some fuss. And then, and then things are really slow. You move your eight inches in the, in the whole turn. You know, so you've only got thirty-two inches in the whole game. Whereas an epic, you've got there's only to hit to kill, to hit to, hit, to save, and that's it. And then you've also got you move three times, so you can basically move ninety centimeters in one turn with a with a reasonably fast unit and boards one hundred twenty centimeters across. So you yeah. get a whole load of flanking going on. You get lots of sort of different little feints and dummies and things like that and, you know and, and they can be completely inconsequential that's the other thing i found in warhammer where for you know fantasy battle and even in 40k which is you get a feeling when as great as they are a lot of the time nothing really happens which it's is where got a lot of decision think... points as a game does it i guess i guess for, for the listeners who have played Guildbolt, it's an alternating activation game yes yeah, you know, so i move a unit from a top-down point of view what the game actually is so yeah so it's a, it's a um a mostly objective-based game on vp Generally lasts around three turns. It can't get more than that if you don't win by turn three. Turns can be more than turn four, does it really? Unless you roll silly. Yeah, no. Not really. Um, not really. And yeah, so it's an alternate activation based game. You go with the unit, they go with the unit, and it's really mostly based upon scoring objectives and claiming areas rather than killing things. That's what means to an end. You get you get, can get a point for killing things, but generally speaking, it's about holding areas and taking areas, isn't it, or denying them. And because yeah, because as you go, I go per unit. It's not like Warhammer or or Machine or other games where you, or forty k we stand there and opponents spend half an hour killing your stuff. It's uh, well, a lot probably, more yeah. reactive than that. Probably worth clarifying this: uh, five objectives that allow you to win the game, and you can win the game if you're scoring two one uh, or higher at the end of turn three. And uh, if you think, oh, it sounds the comparative I have because it's what I grew up with. Once again, is risk. You get new objectives, you get an idea of what you're going after. Your opponent knows what you might go after as well, but it's whether or not they can almost stop you. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's it's very balanced from that point of view. I think it's got so three or four main things going for. I mean, Andrew, you've just started playing, haven't you? Like in the last sort of like randomly, you've been playing around the tabletop simulator. But I think the two the big thing is the scale, right? Is it looks good? And like John was saying, I think it feels like you move far. Like the movements feel big or it's small. Because you move and, really and, far for such tiny little dudes, like um, you know, exactly. like you, you may not even six mil long, but yeah, basically you can move in your, you know, and an activation you can move once, twice, or thrice. You move twice, you can't attack. You can move twice, you can move attack, but much worse. You can move once, attack. So if you move three times, you can cover a serious chunk of real estate. But then again, I think one of the things to fun about the game is that in your turn, in your activation, your activation isn't just move and shoot. It can be, but it can. You have probably about four or five different options you can do in terms of what you can do with your models. You can, so it really is sort of a lot of options where you can go for absolute all-out movement, but you can't do anything else. You want to move twice, which often you do, because it's far apart at first. But then again, you've got the penalty to attacks, where you can assault someone. There's a lot of options to do. So I think um, it can be, by the size of it, it can be really fluid. And the way that it handles trans- transports, 
in terms of you can sort of jump in and out of vehicles all the time is really quite dynamic in terms of how it feels, despite the size of it. Yeah. And I think I think from when the game, because we played a game, didn't we, Andrew, sort of online, and I think the thing that I, because I've not played for a little while, the two things I'd forgotten that I think are really good, other than like the core like concept and design of the game, is like the cool, the really interesting mechanics, I think, are the blast marker mechanic that it has, um, and the assault mechanic yeah. feel like the two really yeah. distinctive because they really reward good positioning. They they reward thinking in advance about what you're going to do, and it feels very thematic because you basically every time units take hits in it, they gain blast markers. Well, not, not even that blast markers. You can get a blast marker even without being even that being hurt. Yeah, but like you just come under fire. So yeah. it, it really works really well. The idea that if if a unit gets shot at, they don't like being shot at. And so even if yeah. you even if you don't score any hits or hurt or hurt in a model, there's still a, a model of sort of suppression built into it. Yeah, um, and it makes the unit just, more. It's not just suppression. It means that you can you, you're more likely to lose assaults. I think as Steve's saying, the assault dynamic's fantastic. But on top of that, it it, it takes a few games to realise it's not a shooting game. Where the, the original the Space Marine and Adeptus Tankers were very much about shooting. Epic Armageddon is is much more about assault. I mean, shooting's still really, really important. You know, if you're not careful, you get shot to death to the point where you just can't win. But usually, you, you win through assaults because you can just do much more damage. But then it's much more risky. So you're always trying to kind of balance off the two, really. Yeah, and I think the analogy in this would be, for the, for, for the listener who we're aware of, uh, this, is, this was originally a Guild Ball podcast, is, is like shooting is like ranged character plays in Guild Ball. Like, they're important and they're good, but, but basically, assaults are like using the playbook. Um, it's when you're actually fit, like engaging with models, uh, that sort of thing. Sorry, Dan, you were saying. Oh no, no, I just have no idea what it was. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, uh, sure. you and Andrew, you and Andrew, Dan. Uh, apparently, put your, put your hand up and then. <laughs> <laughs> it is that that concept, yeah. Um, effectively, you start most games between nine and eleven activations. If you imagine units, different units. So a unit might be a belt of infantry, some tanks, some transports, etc. But you start this nine or nine to eleven activations. And to win the game you have to achieve the, the objectives that we mentioned before. And it's so much easier to win the game if your opponent has less activations. Because as soon as you reduce the amount of times they can go, it's your turn more often. So effectively you take it in turns. One person goes to another person. It is an option for retaining, which is where you go two turns in a row, but it's negative one to activate. Riskier, basically. You, you risk yeah. basically hurting yourself. It increases the risk. If you fail, you, you can, you're like, so it makes it, it puts that level of risk into the, the concept, you know? And it's that, that good balance between strategy and risk. So sometimes it just comes straight down to the dice, and that's all there is to it. But a strategy can normally win the day, so a good player can still normally win, just sometimes it deserves them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I really like about it is the armies are very well balanced, especially with things like the Epic UK, which is a kind of fairly fanatical group that's kept it going till now and runs tournaments every month and a championship every year still. Um, but they, they've been very... I mean, there are lots of people who used to play test games or games anyway, so they've been really, really good at not escalating things. You know how, like, sort of in 40k it started off where it was just some squads and that was great, and then it turned into, like, now you've got a, a unit the size of the entire table, you know, and it's just two units shooting each other, and that's basically it. Like, in Epic, again, they've kept it really, really balanced. Yeah, so, like, and... The, you know, the, the, like, squads of infantry are still extremely and and the the design philosophy for that has always been that the the some of the core armies so like sort of ultramarines BLTAN, um gas they they act as basically like nothing can be more powerful than that 
like units like armies can be as good as those armies but they can't be stronger than it so there's a like a limit to how because there's no interest for the for the epic uk guys in in creating a new super broken army to sell models yeah um, i mean you want you're doing it to drive the, the sale of a new titan are you it's not gonna happen so yeah. uh, we should talk about model availability i think because that that definitely is an is a question i think people would ask isn't it is you know the gw obviously don't produce well, they do produce the models for Adeptus Titanicus, which are compatible. Can I just clarify I'm available to model? <laughs> and uh, that's uh, for, for any of the modeling agencies. <laughs> yeah, any model agents. Yeah, any of the modeling agencies listening to this podcast, Daniel is available. He is he's a fine figure of a human being. Uh, I'm I'm looking at him right now. His hair is cropped, short, like a young. Sinead O'Connor. This is great. Uh, this is great is, radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to just. Yeah, this is. Uh, what else can I say about him? I mean, this is almost as good as the Finnegan's Wake episode, right? Nothing um, compares to me. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, do you know who wrote that song? Do you know Sinead who wrote O'Connor. that song? No, Prince. It's a Prince song. Prince wrote oh, it. To guess. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To you. Yeah. Uh, so so that, yeah, model available. Not that we were docking that question by. No, the models are quite easy to get, right? So I think the first basic one is there's still millions of plastic space marines, orcs, and a few other things on eBay that you get really cheap. You can buy a space marine army for like a tenner. You know, rhinos, land raiders, dreadnoughts, marines of different types. I think a tenner is a stretch, but you're, you're okay. not wrong. Well, I, I, mean, got mine, I got mine for 15 quid. I got two armies for 15 quid. So many of the plastic models and things have been made or, uh, because when they released all these box sets with the Titans plastic, with the Land Raiders, with the infantry, with the, the absolute basic stuff is out there and it's so cheap because they were just so mass produced. Um, yeah. It's also worth probably mentioning more for that there's part of it I think is trying to move people away from the eBay and getting the ones that are getting made by a lot of the, the designers that are out there at present uh, because it's one, keeping them in a job. And two, making sure that they're still producing the stuff. Um, but there is they're so nice, much. They're nicer models. Once again, yeah, honestly, you can do it on a shoestring. You can get an army done for about 30 quid because nobody's so caught up in it. If you've got models that look different or from somewhere else, you can work for them, okay? <laughs> Daniel, I think, I think at this point, Daniel should declare his interest in uh, what are your Necron monolith models? I have to declare my uh, mixed loyalty here between uh, Epic UK and B&Q. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Daniel's, Daniel's Necron monoliths are uh, door handles. He got from Where? B&Q. Yeah, <laughs> crystal door handles. And um, I, I, my favourite army is Feral Orcs, and I have a bag of plastic dinosaurs, which I glued to. <laughs> so um, if you want to buy, buy metal models that, that aren't, you know, aren't on eBay and you know, stripping anything else, like Vanguard Miniatures, is that the one? Uh, they do yeah. quite a lot of metal models, and Vanguard they, miniatures, and they, yeah, yeah and, they and, and they're quite obviously not Space Marines, not Imperial Guards, not not so on. And, and them in Onslaught, who also sell through them, they do Tau as well. And to be honest, you can get pretty much most of the armies from there, um, and you can get a full a full army for a full metal army with more points than you're going to need. For, I'd say less than hundred quid easily, wouldn't you? I think. Easy, yeah, sure. easily. Yeah. I mean, probably a playable army for way less than that. If you wanted to have all the toys. Um, and they look really good. Like um, the, the modern sculpts, obviously, they're so tiny, which helps an awful lot. Um, and so, even though Games Workshop don't produce it, it doesn't really matter. Um, no, and the vehicle sculpts from Vanguard, even the bigger models, really nice. they've got some lovely vehicle sculpts. They've got some lovely, you know, much larger scale Titan scale sculpts. Um, and, it's, honest, and they have. Well, sorry. 
uh, they have like three or four different suppliers. So they have so also the the interesting thing is the model styles aren't the same because like you say like Vanguard supplies from like Defeat in Detail, Onslaught Miniatures, um, and a couple of other people. So they they're not all by the same sculptor. So you can often even there's more than one type of Space Marine, for example. Um, so there's there's lots of good stuff in there and some really you know some real blast from the past stuff. Like you can get new you can get squat models that were designed in the last two years. Like if you want to play squats or yeah, if you that, want to that, that's, they do the whole the whole land train don't they and stuff um, still yeah um, looks, 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 looks better than the original <laughs> yeah it really does it really does so yeah so Vanguard Miniatures is the, is the big uh, the big supplier in the U, in the UK um, onslaught miniatures you can also get stuff from they sell direct in the USA. And then the other one, Andrew, as you found, I think, is uh, there's a lot of stuff on things like Shapeways, right? Uh, yeah. So my, I mean, I'm currently printing off my second army. So like, uh, yeah, you can print off basically print off my Imperial army in like a week and a half, I think it was. Uh, resin costs about twenty quid. Uh, obviously, the printer is more than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, uh, if you have access to a 3D printer, it's pretty good demand. I mean, certainly at Epic, you can find anything you want, and sometimes under hilarious names that aren't quite the real thing. Um, to try and conceal them from the lawyers' workshops, often they're not. Uh, they just around, so yeah, it's very easy to get hold of the files for that. Um, and I think another thing with that is also like it—it's a community that's like very open to conversions. Like you know, so my you know I have a, a Thousand Suns army, and my sort of Titans and that are conversions out of uh, flamer models from 40k and parts from some tanks from another game and guns from stuff from another game. So. So it allows you to be quite creative with your hobby as well. Um, it's also interesting how basically it's really fast to paint because you it's all about the, how the army looks as a, as a whole rather than how a person looks. Uh, so if you have, say, your, your numerous stands, I mean, obviously guard, obviously horde army, but you've got your sort of 60 of the stands and paint them all in about an hour. You, know, you spray them all grey and you grab them all and base and everything else. Um, but then you spend more time on your tanks and everything else if you want to just get a, a big dry brush and just dry brush them all as fast as you can. But they're quite fast to paint as an, as an army. You can paint them really quickly and then spend your time on making it look cohesive and then have a nice colour scheme and make it pop. And so an army looks good because it looks like a big force together rather than each person looking unique. Then again, as you show me, Steve, some people's paint jobs are utterly insane. Yeah, the variation is so high because you can get, you know, like obviously like high contrast is your friend at that scale, at that scale and dry brushing is your friend. But there's guys like, um, like one of the... You know, one of the players who's sort of regular tournament attendant, a guy called Matt Leckis, who I think used to lecture at the Royal College of Art, and he's got, <laughs> you know, like, he's got, like, orcs that you can see their teeth at six millimeter. Might want to put a timestamp on that, uh, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty impressive, some of those paint jobs, though. Yeah, um, some of them. The other thing that's really good about them is they don't take up any space. For a games workshop game of that scale, it's brilliant. You just have a little like uh, toolbox, little tiny like you know that you'd hold screws and nails in. That's got your whole army. Yeah. It's really easy to transport. Yeah, it's it's the only army scale game that I you know I I can play and take the army to play after work on my bicycle. Yeah, yeah. I don't need one of these huge boxes to carry around and that sort of thing. But I would say, I mean, sorry, yeah. no, no, And um, I would say uh, just to caution anybody that's been getting the game. Um, the thing that I would certainly say that I did wrong, uh, and indeed the thing that I might have to answer for in later life, is I genuinely went out and just bought everything because it was like it was buying the Panini album, and if I could get it, I would buy it. And I didn't think about the al- the army and what I wanted the army to actually do. The truth is, you probably only need an army that's about three thousand points. You don't need everything for that army. What you probably want to use is proxies. Play your friends with proxies, get used to it, and then decide what actually works for you. 
And you'll notice that knocks an absolute fortune off the army. Um, the first army I bought um, probably was about 300 quid because I bought everything for it. The last army that I'm buying were like 60 quid because I was just realising that's all the units I need. I can get these units really quickly. I can get them really cheaply. Um, I use things like Troublemaker Games and um, they do really good um, minis. So quite a lot of really quick and really cheap to get, but also quite beautiful models that you can model and just, yeah. Um, when it goes to painting, painting is not my ability. Steve's far better painting than myself. Um, it's quite interesting when you paint something that tiny because it's really difficult not to feel like you're wasting paint because you're pouring a small amount and just literally touching the edge of a bolt gun. Once again, it depends how much your importance. Fortunately, as I get older, my eyesight gets worse. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a terrible paint. Really not an issue. And yeah, also, to be, to be fair, contrast paints, like, you know, I, I haven't painted any of my Epic Army since contrast paints came out. I imagine you could just batter through things I'm like paint, paint, paint Space Marines, yeah, it'd be mega fast, wouldn't it? Contrast yeah, yeah. Paints. Blue, like, color, red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely painted a whole army a couple of nights before I've gone to a tournament. You know, and then at the same time, I've got Anna, I've got like my Eldar army, that Harlequin pattern Eldar army. I've got probably took me six months. Yeah, you know, as a because of the, the length of detail that you can go into in it. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's good. So we talked a bit about army building and stuff like that, Dan. What what would your advice be to like John and Dan? What would your advice be to like new players in terms of constructing armies? You know, should they should they build lists? How should they do it? Like, well, I think one of the cool? biggest question that comes with it is which army to actually play. Uh, particularly if you're starting out and want to play the game and get used to it. We, we really struggled with it because some armies are a lot more forgiving. Uh, and when I say forgiving, it means if you make a mistake, if you do something wrong, you're not going to get completely bitten in the posterior. See, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Another well, thing that's quite tricky about it is when you... You get you tempted to play Codex Astartes to start with, and that's what the kind of introduction guide tells you to do. But they're yeah, not, they're not like forty k. They're 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 extremely tactical. They're not actually that kind of invincible, powerful. They're quite an unforgiving army. Yeah, they're not a blunt instrument at all. Like no. if, if you were a new player and you wanted to take a really forgiving army, you'd probably take I don't know, Andrew uh, Krieg. Um. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I would generally think. I'd say Thousand Sons. I'd say that, that honestly, the armies will forgive you anything at all. Um, yeah, it's like armies with high armor and and reliable activate because you have to roll to activate units, yeah. and some units are some more reliable than others. So looking for reliable armies that do stuff is a good way. So I mean, I started playing Eldar, who are really unforgiving. <laughs> They're like proper glass cannon in it, but the good thing is like. You know, you don't start playing a game to win at it, do you? You start playing it because it's fun. So you, you know, so you, as long as you accept like you want to lose games, that's that's not like a big deal. I mean, I started Guild Wars playing Alchemist, which is I not think exactly. Um, so if a new player wants to play the game, how do they even learn? That's a really good question, and I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges we're going to have with the game. Is yes, you can go to the Epic UK website, you can download the rules, etc. And even if you download the rules, how you interpret the rules is one of the beauties of it. Me and John played in Glasgow, uh, and we interpreted the rules beautifully, uh, and totally interpreted in a massively different way from everybody else that's playing it. So the big thing is not only interpret the rules, but it's it's biting the bullet and being able to, to go along to a tournament, meet people. Everyone's actually really acceptable. I mean, they didn't have an issue. With that, really, <laughs> Very acceptable. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> It's actually surprising how friendly people are. It's a know. really nice community. Like, it's a really nice community. Because people are all in it because they love the game. Yeah, like, John, John Lee, the first thing John Lee said, said to me um, when he went to tournaments, I think with two tournaments last year, he said, he said this nice community I've ever met. 
So that yeah. Absolutely lovely. Uh, I guess it's like I mean, that's, that's, thing else, that's, that's lovely, but it's a bit of a stretch. Let's <laughs> 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 just put a marker down, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll timestamp that. I'll, I'll timestamp it. I guess we'll move that from the. Um, yeah. Let's bleep it out. <laughs> no, it's so. So, yeah, I think the tricky bit is, that, like you say, is. is you know, having someone local to play with is, is important. Though you and there's actually the tabletop simulator that's out now is pretty good if you're wanting to pretty while slick. away your lockdown hours. It's yeah, pretty yeah. good. What we'd say is myself and John played and we got into the game without anybody around that was playing Epic. We just decided that we're going to play Epic after Steve introduced it to us. So we did that and then we spoke to more other people that were into gaming and they were quite cool with getting into it as well. Because it's actually quite economical of using proxies and things like that, it won't cost you an arm and a leg, so you can play Epic. You can even use other miniatures for whatever you want. Uh, I believe I began life, uh, you can correct me on this, John, because I was on a much lower wage, um, <laughs> with printouts that were still taped to a bit of plastic. I mean, like, it was genuinely that, but... I love how Scottish this has got is how cheap is it? Is it the game cheap? <laughs> Aye, the game's cheap. Ah, you can do it if you're cheap, man. It's no bother. <laughs> it saves you money for your salad. It doesn't even matter if it's fun, it's cheap, right? It's Aye. cheap, maybe. You can afford it for free. Hope the Sassanacs enjoy the recession. No, but it is, it is, it is really good. So I think the, be- the best way to start is just, you know, the simple one is, I think, is to, I don't know, is go to eBay, buy some plastic space marines, some plastic orcs, you know, get a game with your pals, see how it goes, and then, you know, think about going along to one of the tournaments, which aren't really very competitive, they're just very friendly people, and then kind of see how, how, how the community's evolved to play it, um, and sort of learn the tricks about it being much more about assault and that kind of thing, and, and how, how they do things like scenery's always infinitely high, effectively, just to make the game quicker, so there's no kind of line of sight. Yeah, they're all seemingly really, really clean. Everything being area terrain and everything having basically a higher level, basically being zero or infinite, effectively, means that you have very pretty tabletops without having to have annoying rules about how scenery works. It's all very clean. Yeah, yeah and there's a thing because it's a because it's a G dub. Because what happened is the the decision was to keep the original Games Workshop rules, so the rule book that came out. So anyone who has that rule book can play. You can download it from the Epic UK website. So it's epic.co.uk, and that rule book is is not changing because that's the entry point, and then there's a set of FAQ and tournament packs that are published around it. Which so, is really so about interpretation. Exactly, yeah. 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 So it should make sense. You know, so even like you're saying, like, you know, I was the same as, not just someone to you guys, I was playing with a couple of guys in London in the you know back room of a pub, uh, you know, so back room epic. And, um, <laughs> Street epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we're well, coming back. You want price? <laughs> Oh, come round back to the pub. It was a, it's, it's quite a hard pub up in Camden. Like, you're regularly going in, there's guys doing coke in the toilet and stuff like that. It's like a sports bar and like a really rough part of Camden. And then there's all these guys in the back. Yeah. Just to recap yeah. for listeners, uh, if anyone tells you you have to take a piece of clothing off when you don't rule that activation, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so, so the rules of the tournament rules and all that is, is, is pretty clean for it, I think. Should we talk a bit about, like, you know, army building and balance and that sort of stuff? Like, what sort of units are you finding in armies? Can like, I ask one more question John... first for, for, yeah, yeah. for new players? So, what is the difference if, if they see, for example, um, Epic, and they see, for example, the current game that uh, 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 we're producing with it, of course, is um, Adeptus Titanicus, which costs thousands of pounds, and models are this big. <laughs> um, but what's the difference in terms of that game and, and Epic, then? Epic Armageddon, you're going to have 11 different squads, and that will include, for the most part, infantry, smaller tanks, transport vehicles, an army maybe will have one Titan. Um, 
So mi- mi- that, mixed arms compared to sort of two robots. Yeah, mixed arms. It's not just two robots just blowing each other to bits like a kind of mech warrior. It's a sort of, you have a full army, a full kind of 40k army plus all this extra stuff on top of it. You also have planes. You can get spaceships which can do kind of like uh, drop pods and things like that. So it's a fu- it's the full 40k world really. Yeah. And I think added. I think it's a good summary, John. And I think just added to that, basically, Adept's Titanicus is a skirmish game. Like you have four or five units. Like it's not dissimilar to playing, you know, a game Guild Ball or something like that, where you have five or six models. Yeah. Like you only have a small number of units. They're they're cool and they're massive models, and it's a big scene, and they've got detailed data profiles. Whether it's like Epic is, you know, you have you're putting a lot more on the tabletop. Yeah, so like one one of your activations to so one of your squads might be six rhinos with ten space marines and a force commander, and that would be one. And they move as one cohesive unit, having to keep five centimeters apart, kind of thing. And then another squad might be four land raiders, you know. So so you do you probably have between I don't know fifty to a hundred actual models of, like stands on the board, comprising about ten as dances nine to eleven units. Depends what army, of course. You know, so things like orcs might end up with a squad of like thirty uh, bikes in one squad, and that's quite a big one to want to kill. Whereas other things like, you know, if you go necrons, you might have fewer stands. Or titans, you only put four or five models on the table. Yeah, yeah. and that's one thing they've done, which is really good. Is the the, the powers that be in Epic UK? They've written a, a list, a new titan army list based on the new Games Workshop game to kind of transfer those models across. So if you've got titan, what's well, adept titanicus? Then yeah. you could just transfer those models and you already have an army and a list ready for you for Epic Armageddon. So building armies then, Steve? What's up with that? Yeah, uh, Dan, what would, you, what, would you, what would your starting point be if you're going to build an army? Like, are you looking to have all the same models or are you looking to have like a mix of units? What do you do? I, just, I enjoy direct questions. Um, a lot of people. I feel like you have <laughs> Basically, for the listeners, for the listeners' benefit, Dan was sitting there looking sulky as boss because he didn't get to speak for five minutes. Invite me on your podcast. First thing is learning about assaults is the most important part of the game. If you can learn how to work assaults and use lists like that, what I tend to say to people that are learning the game is check somebody else's army, get an idea of why they've chosen the army, how the army works. Because it'll probably give you a good idea. So you can go to the Epic UK website and you can see what people have used in tournaments and what's worked. And then when you see that, you start getting a really good idea of why it worked or how it worked or the things that worked with it. One of the hardest things to actually do is to plan an army. Uh, to actually build an army and use your 3,000 points is probably the real strategy because at the end, you start thinking about where your objectives lie, how you go about capturing it. So the, the end product, really, of you becoming a good Epic player is being able to choose a good army and being able to work that army in. And what's surprising about it is sometimes you can look at a list and you can go, you know what, of that list, there's only four different units that I'm interested in. That is going to be a good army. And that can be the, the real challenge because there's some units that just don't do what you want them to do, don't work the way you want them to work. So um, you can overkill, of course, and you can over spam. But yeah, choosing the list is probably the hardest, but probably the final part of using a good player. I think when you're starting, like a good place to start is they've got the uh, Traitor Legion website. Is it called Traitor Legion? The one that it's like a yeah, you can cool. build your armies online thing. You know, you uh, Traitor Legion, Traitor Legion dot app spot. I think isn't we'll it? We'll link in the uh, in the uh, show notes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's quite that. It makes things easier. But I think the golden rule is you want you want at least nine different squads or army because otherwise you just lose on activations. A minimum so, nine activations. Totally. A minimum. Aiming maybe for I think yeah ten 
ten eleven is probably pretty, is pretty good for a three thousand point band. I think I think if you've got less than that, your army sorry, your army's never going to work. <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're. It's an int- and also I tend you know you tend to find you can run skew lists like you're saying, Dan, and they can be effective, but actually generally you're looking at balanced armies, mixed arms, sort of. You know, I think so you, most most armies are balanced. It's that combination of sorry, one jump in. You need anti aircraft. Uh, if you don't have anti aircraft, you get shot too. I'm doing well here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you even trying at this stage? <laughs> it's like, like you've robbed the bank, you're making your way out, and you're now apologizing. Like, yeah. you're, your money's insured, it's okay. Yeah, your money's insured. No, units that can shoot from long distance. You need that kind of, uh, there's so many different different units do different things, and getting that good combination is what it's all about, you know? Um, I think you quite quickly figure out what what work, what's good and what's not in in any particular list. So if you play Space Marines, you kind of figure out quite quickly that Land Raiders aren't as good as they should be and you maybe don't get them. Dreadnoughts are unfortunately not that great. Scouts are very good. You probably want uh, some Land Speeders, a couple of squads of Land Speeders. Warhound Titans are really good. You know, you, you start to realise maybe the Warlord Titans are the best and you want the kind of faster things because Space Marines work. They're like a fast attack army. You lure people into one side and then strike one thing really hard and quickly and kill it off and then you just keep kind of doing that whereas maybe if you're playing orcs you probably want oh for space Marines, of course you want terminators and a thunder <laughs> and that's the kind of given right maybe a landing craft with some predators in it so you can drop some anti-air on them and shoot people you know so just it just i think it depends on army you're going doesn't it you just have to work out what the what the key units are get yeah. them and then pad it out with other things that you, you kind of want to play and try with. But, but yes, Dan says you need a mix. It's, it's not a steep learning curve. It really isn't. You look at some armies and you go, oh, that's interesting. That's I mean, you can quickly work out what's good, and if you get it wrong, <coughs> you go back to the drawing board and you get it right the next time. The hardest thing to do is choose your army, but once you've worked out how to assault, once you've worked out how to shoot and move, you're probably by about the third or fourth time you've played the game you should be getting a really good idea how to build an army. Yeah, the rules, the rules themselves are quite simple, and models haven't got many many stats. Uh, so it's all about how your army functions together, isn't it? Well, how one unit shoots with it. Uh, because yeah. how, how you, you actually does its job isn't particularly hard to work out because the rules are quite cut down. Yeah. And again, there's not much. There's no, there's no sort of tables to reference anything else, you know. Often the unit's just its armour, its movement, and maybe it's, it's firefight where value or what we care about. Yeah, and I think there's a few. Spe- there's only a couple of specials that you really need to pay attention to. So obviously, reinforced armor gives you a reroll for your save, and then scout is probably one which you, you don't think about too much at first. But that's incredibly important for scout because they have a there's a sort of zone of control. You're not allowed to go in five centimeters of an enemy unit unless you're assaulting them. So you can kind of set up walls to kind of block people and herd herd enemy units to one side of the place. And scouts are amazing at that because they have the zone of control of like ten centimeters which is quite big, and they can also go very, very far away from each other um, without breaking clear. Oh yeah, so who's got a fan big. on? I'm gonna... I've typed it for a reason, Steve. That peer behind the curtain. <laughs> that peer behind the curtain? Oh, wait, come on. We've never... It was, we've it never, was, uh... it was, it was professional slick, and you've ruined the whole thing now. Start from... <laughs> I apologise. I mean, I'm going to delete yeah, the like podcast now and start again. Start again. <laughs> start again. Good evening. Welcome to Shingle Boat. Yeah, so I think there's lots of yeah. It's not that hard to put an army together. I think it's not that many yeah. things you have to pay attention to. Don't don't use planes at first, probably because that's that adds a whole extra level of complexity. Yeah, I just jump on that, John. That's because it's a really good point. Um, what I would say to anybody is uh, there was a game called uh, Minigeddon that we try and play it occasionally, 
and it teaches you how to use the objectives to use very small units like a thousand points and it just allows you to understand attacking, assaulting, shooting and just getting used to the game and then slowly build up to include planes which is the next stage. If you do it that way you're probably getting quite used to the game and it allows you to learn all the steps along the way you know. Yeah I think um, I think flies are really cool in the game. I, I love how the game's you know how all the parts make sense like the vehicles all kind of move rapidly and also um the way aircraft works is interesting because basically they, they come on the board and they have a, they have a presence but then again they shoot off again because playing playing a drop zone commander they kind of don't, didn't do anything but in this game the kind of planes have got a purpose um and without a good answer for them they're, they're bad like, without that good answer yeah, they, the aircraft they, they do you in they really do have a purpose i mean because if you ignore them then you, you can get scanner pretty quickly but if you if you cover them well then they kind of quite often don't do anything and there's also there's two different types of planes because there's planes that come in and shoot, so you can use them to kind of plink your opponent to sort of prep them for a proper assault, which weakens them. Or you've got things like if there's a broken unit that you know is going to rally, you fly them with planes, hit it, and because they're broken, they die much more easily, which is great because the planes can hit anywhere you want. There's absolutely no rule about it. You just, they just hit whatever you want with them. You know? um, and then the other thing is you get troop transporters, so like a Thunderhawk. John, are you aroused? <laughs> well... You know, I do like a good Thunderhawk. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could just fly in your Thunderhawk and uh, drop a whole lot of Terminators on your opponent wherever you want, right on their back objective or right in their key unit whenever you want. So it's very good. I'm not hearing everything as a double entendre because of this. Like, is it, is, uh, <laughs> so, so to continue... Uh, you I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so... What, what armies do you guys play? What armies do you guys play? What armies do you really like playing? Like, what do you enjoy playing? Uh, I like... I really enjoy playing orcs. So I really like... They, 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 in a strange way, I like feral orcs because you get lots of big dinosaurs and you just stomp all over people. And you also get the kind of macro AA, which is hilarious. And they have steam gargants, which explode. They're really random, but they also have incredibly powerful guns. But I think probably my favourite army is just, just ultramarines. I just really like setting up really, really nice set of assaults, luring people you, you into You just it. love the Smurfs. You just can't get enough Smurfs. can't get enough of them. They're so blue. What a beautiful <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's Space Marines. I really like Space Marines. Because they've got, they're good at, they're kind of quite good at everything. And you can change, your, they're very good at changing their strategy midway through the game. So you can kind of start doing one thing, swap something else, confuse them, and go back to what you originally get drop pods, which are great. Um, and they also have a flexibility because they've got, I think one of the rules is that, I can't remember what it's called, but you, it lets you... Um, it's going on off here. Yeah, yeah, well, it lets you change the transports as the game starts. So everyone else has to choose whether they want to have drop pods or whether they want to have this out of the other, rhinos, whatever. But Space Marines can just choose before the game. So you can watch what your opponent has and go, right, well, that army's going to do really badly against drop pods, and drop pods it is. Space Marines seem, to me, having seen them play once, twice, like more like Space Marines in the fluff than the R40K. Like, because it, 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 obviously in the world there'd be a super, super elite, tiny army that targets certain yeah. positions. In 40k, basically you move towards each other and shoot each other, as far as I can tell. But in this game, basically, space are so, so low in numbers, they have to really target and pick the right encounters. They can swoop in and swoop out again, and you can do tactics like bring down a Thunderhawk with Thermetis in, and then bring down a second one, pick it up again in the same turn, and do hit and runs. And if it kind of feels more like they are in the. Are, Meant to be. Um, I think they're very yeah. much a stiletto. I mean, they're an, almost yeah, exactly. an assassin army. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they have to target, they have to attack, they have to capture and come back. And yeah, they, they're very, very good at one strike, but in the same breath, they don't have the real crowd control and things. So 
they're quite. Um, they're probably one of the hardest armies to master in Epic UK. Yeah, I think so. What what, what armies do you like playing, Dan? Well, I, I really like the Chaos armies. Um, Chaos get the opportunity to summon, so they get extra troops on the board and things like that. Um, it can be really surprising because this might be reasonably small groups, but then they can bring more guys in, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chaos are good fun. You, know, you get I mean, actually, demons. I hate Eldar, but. Um, See, I, I, I love Eldar. I love playing Eldar. They're so janky. Because <laughs> they can actually, rather than moving their attack, they can choose the order they attack in, can't they? So they can move, rather, rather than move attack, they can do attack then move, or rather than moving twice yeah. and attacking, they can move, attack then move. So they can basically do proper hit and runs and really sort of sweep around and use them the ability to do stuff, can't they? Yeah, they basically have, army, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have more mobility, less durability, and they, they're really, you know, like, yeah, we're saying that Marines are surgical, Eldar are like, and then you get Dark Eldar, who are basically just the most fragile army in the world, but they can go pretty much, you know, you have so many, the thing I like about Eldar is you have so many deployment options, you know, you have webway portals, you have spaceships, you have aircraft, you have teleporters, you have, you know, super fast tanks, all that sort of stuff, so you've got so much mobility in there. And you can really, you know, like they really salami slice people's armies. Like you can yeah, really pick them apart. But they start their stuff's nails as well. Like if you've got Wraith Guard. Another thing I think is really good about Epic Armageddon is it's, it, the armies are really thematic. You know, so for example, like Necrons. Like the, Necrons, for example, are hideous because they, they all that starts on the table is monoliths. They, they, they well, not even. In. Monoliths just teleport even, down, yeah, they don't teleport they? teleport in. You deploy your army, nothing on the board. They teleport in. They walk out of the uh, out of the portals, kill you, and walk straight back in. And if you ki- and if you break them, they teleport back into the warp, and you can't touch them. So they just really, you really hate them. You really do. And something like nids, like tyrannids, compared to forty k, they're great because most of the units when you kill them, it doesn't matter. It makes absolutely no difference because you don't get blast markers for them. You don't get like combat bonus for killing many of them because they're just they're just drones. Yeah, because normally in epic, basically, if you hurt. A unit, they get blast markers, which means they can slow down and do less attacks back. And basically, eventually, you can get broken. Uh, blast markers means they basically get broken and run away. But some of the units basically are expendable, and if you kill them, cool. It doesn't matter. Another, yeah. another thing I quite like is it doesn't get ruined by things like special characters because there are no special characters. So there's no there's no single unit which has its own special rule. They're all generic special rules either for the whole game or like each individual race has maybe like three, maximum three specials for the whole race, which works quite well. You know, because you don't, yeah, it makes much more about your whole army rather than an individual. So I mean, I, mean, I remember Steve and I playing Warhammer Fantasy and Steve had this room that cracked the rim, cost like eight points, <laughs> and he was indestructible. Like, he was literally indestructible. There's a story with Uncle that touched you. Would you like to talk more to your therapist? <laughs> <laughs> well, Someone out there understands this. But anyway, but it kind of ruins the game because it makes it about like one character. Yeah, there's there's no special characters. There's not you know all characters are basically addendums to units. So like commissar for like upgraded guardsmen, like librarians give you a few extra things. But you're not gonna you're not gonna land like a chaos lord in the middle of an army and just wreck the army with a chaos lord. Like he's gonna last about thirty seconds if that. Even like a, it's like a demon prince, you can get basically they have no more hits than anybody else, do they? Uh, as far as I'm aware, yeah. uh, like I think Greater yeah, Demons you know, have demon. like three, but that's a Greater Demon. Even then, like yeah. yeah, yeah, like a Greater Demon's really good, but like a you know a Warlord Titan's still gonna stand on it. So like you, you, yeah, you can't, it's not really here here a hammer is it at all. Uh, there's no magical no. items or things to put in things. In that respect, is very different to a lot of um, games we have. 
When things are on the board, there's very little that you get any surprise of. The, the big thing I think John nailed already is kind of yes, you'll get some air assaults and things like that. You probably need to be careful of, but there really shouldn't be any huge surprises. There certainly won't be anything you go, oh, I never saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. Do we have much else to go into on this? Do we think in this? Uh... Do we have the questions to go through? Have we answered them all already? I think I think we've covered sort of most of them. Um, I think there's a question some... about cheesiest army, but should we say that? Okay, probably, let's let's do that. Steve, you know, <laughs> let's do that. Okay, let's talk so... about the Thunderhawk army then. <laughs> what, what, there's two good questions in this. I think is what's the cheesiest army you've ever run, and what's the worst army you, any of us have ever won an event with? Well, that's one that we could answer in one go. <laughs> the, uh, worst as in low. I think worst as in like lowest. Like what? What does? How can you win events with low strength armies? Like uh, um, the answer is probably no. Well, you, you, you can, but not not if someone not if there's a really good player there who's gone a tough army. Yeah. So quite a lot of the really good players who go about the Epic UK leagues now, they've been around so long, they just try things that they like. Yeah, they don't necessarily, you know, they almost as a rule don't go the nails armies anymore, like Krieg or Necrons. And also, I think there is there are more good armies, like because I think that's worth saying is actually there's there's what forty different factions. Like it's not like I guess Guildhall, like Guildhall has eighteen factions, right? Epic has maybe forty different factions, of which probably five are really genuinely a bit subpar. Mm-hmm. Like Dan, you and I did that exercise, didn't we? We tried to work out what was. Well, I drank wine, but you did the exercise. Yeah. You know, there's at least twenty armies. Mm. So I think that's one of the things that's worth noting is that the Epic UK were trying to look at the armies that are subpar to bring them up a bit, rather than looking at the bit armies that are too good to try and mold them down a bit, you know? It tends to be if somebody wins two or three competitions with the same army, they start looking at them, is it too good an army, or is that just too good a Any player? army in particular, Dan. Any army in particular you want to talk about. <laughs> well, I... Space Marine, uh, the, the whole basis of the actual game, Space Marine, uh, as it was originally, uh, might might have been a little bit weak. And yeah, uh, okay, I'll I'll fill in the blanks. Then. Dan Dan decided that that, that that he wanted to sort of prove everyone wrong by breaking the Space Marine, so everyone thought it was now unbreakable. And he basically took six Thunderhawks, eight squads of planes, and just put scouts in them. It basically just shoots you to death from all of them. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And he could have won like four tournaments in a row and he won the European Championship to the point where, I think, was it the Germans? They made a t-shirt. Of, yeah. uh, Germans made the t-shirt. I, the Swedish weren't quite so clever. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So you totally so That's a horrible list, which is bad. You can't do it now because they've changed yeah. the time. Well, it's not, like, we don't, I guess the thing to point out is lists don't get banned. Things just get corrected. And like, yeah, Dan can't go to any epic. Yeah, he that's why he's on his face now. Yeah, but yeah, so so what? Yeah, what happens is you just change what you're able to select, or you increase the points cost of something, or you limit it, or you, you change the start line slightly. We've never actually like, you know, we'd never say it's like, if, you know, if you're using the list, no one's being told they can't bring their toys. Like you can bring your toys in any sort of legal combination. If it turns out that's really good, eventually you might have to bring it in a slightly different combination. That's it. When you come to looking at lists, well, some lists have got more flaws than others. Some lists you can sit and go, wow, if you do this and do that. And, and that's what everybody wants. They, they want the advantage of when they play the game. Uh, they want to be able to play the, to the best of their abilities and have the best opportunity. So some lists will get modified. You go, oh, actually, that's too strong. That's too powerful. Somebody overpowers that unit. Um, but it's pretty it's good in the ball game. It's because there's so many different sort of avenues to winning a game. 
the this de- this good and bad matchups for armies and for lists every totally. time. So there's, there's no one list which is good against everything. Like they all have weaknesses against something else, which I think works really well. So if you go to a tournament, there's definitely someone, no matter how good you are, who's going to have a list that you absolutely do not want to play. So you know, some people who you really do want to play. Players who, um, people who listen to this podcast probably are more familiar with Guild Ball, which has a lot of probably every six months. So every, every six or six months, they've changed card rules. So how often how often are the armies reviewed and do you review them all at once or do you sort of do a few at a time or what's your sort of process for that it's normally about 10 seconds after I've won a tournament you set a reputation um, yeah. they're usually reviewed annually like so usually the, there's usually an annual sort of review annually um, there's usually one or two new armies released each year so I think the last two were uh, Adeptus Titanicus and um Imperial Fists, if memory serves correctly, and then Sis armies are basically Sisters of Battle are quite recent. But and usually in that sort of annual review, what will happen is people will take a look at you know people basically ask the question: Are there any problem armies? Are there any problem builds? And look at tinkering with that. And then they'll also ask: Is there anything that's particularly you know not being taken or not really performing or needs to be a bit stronger? And they'll get looked at by that. But usually, usually you wouldn't see more than say three or four armies change and one or two be introduced in a, in a year. Yeah, and they're quite subtle changes usually. It's usually sort of 25 points extra here or there for something. They're quite good at kind of correcting things without making major changes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Because <laughs> we can't see John's face. We, we don't know when he's finished. Oh, so. uh, <laughs> If you're interested about this game, please um, ask us questions about it. Uh, if you want to play it, um, if you want to go on um, Tabletop Simulator, uh, there's a very good one on that. If you can't find it, let us know. I'll find the link to it. It's pretty good. Um, the rules are free online. There are some YouTube videos, um, although most of them are at least three or four years old, um, and they get <laughs> quite a few of the rules wrong. Um, but they're, they're, good, they're a good idea to look at the game in, in general, how it looks and how, how pretty it can be. Um, yeah, I think it's like Gorilla Miniatures and Henna Food. Yeah, I think Gorilla released four videos, I think, a while ago. And the game's still pretty active. And as you said, there's tournaments, what, every month, you say? They're out. Obviously, not that right at the moment. Pretty much, yeah, around the UK every month, really. So, yeah, so I guess it's interesting. From my point of view, being being involved in Guild Ball past few years, how this sort of see these sort of scenes are around that aren't actually commercially driven at all. It's interesting how these sort of game scenes still exist for games that some people think think are basically gone, you know, but they aren't. Yeah, I I think for the kind of core of epic players, really, I think there's just a feeling that it that, that it is maybe the best actual game that Games Workshop have produced. But it just it came out at the wrong time when the kind of everything was on a little bit downer after the success in the early nineties. This sort of fourth version of the game it wasn't expected to be that different. But I think it probably uh, well, specialist games got got the axe, didn't it, around that sort of time as well? Because that was after all the videos came out and their share price went to the floor, didn't it? Mid two thousands, it was really bad for them, uh, business wise. Uh, when that yeah, because the game the, 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 the fundamental mechanics are excellent. Like there is, it's a really good rule set. It's got some really interesting ideas in it. That it gives you a lot of design space to play with. But um, but yeah, lack of uh, yeah, it was not not a great time for Games Workshop, was it? <laughs> it wasn't their their finest hour. But I think that's it's almost what Forty K is trying to work towards the present. Where you sitting going, well, do you want to have a a Gargant? Do you want to have a Stompa? Do you want to have a Shadow Sword playing the same battle? 
Chances are it looks a bit fucking silly when they're two metres apart. <laughs> yeah, the forty k tables like especially like if you play Epic, you never look at a forty k table. And I think, what? Why is that there? It's like Commas on, on, on the bane bay with the power sword waving it around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, just and, lean over. You do still, yeah, just yeah, stabbing people through the letterbox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still get that sort of you do still get that good like comedy unit value, don't you, in Epic sometimes because you can have like a you know like a missile bunker that also <laughs> is a commissar. Yeah, <laughs> the characters that's uh, you know basically the comics was just in the bunker sticking his sword out of the slits like trying to hit people. So I think with that we'll um, we'll say goodbye and we'll probably do some more of this in the future. Um, if actually I don't care what you want, listeners, we'll do it anyway. Um, <laughs> Why change? Hold you to episode and might as well carry on. Um, yeah. And that I'll say thank you to all. Uh, thank you for not saying too much and uh, bye. 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 Um, cheers. <laughs>